The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. We're in a series right now called uh, Declutter Your Life. And we're talking about, you know, this time of year, it's that spring time of year where we do some spring cleaning, don't we? And we go into our house, and what we do is we look at different areas of our life that maybe are a little cluttered, and we spring clean them, and we, we try to simplify things and bring a refreshness and a renewal to those areas of our life that maybe have gotten a little cluttered. And what we're doing is we're kind of taking that concept, and we're talking about it in, in our life. Like, what areas of our life maybe are a little cluttered that need to be simplified, that need a refreshment, a renewal brought to them, and then we're kind of, we're kind of working through that right now, okay? So we've been talking about these different areas in our home and comparing that to our life. And today I want to talk to you about this. You probably know what it is, but this is the refrigerator. How many of you are grateful for refrigerators? But how many of you know? Yes. How many of you know refrigerators can get a little cluttered? In fact, I was thinking after first service, I thought, you know, it's Mother's Day, right? What a great gift for us to give to our wives, to our to women in our life. Then we go home and we deep clean the refrigerator for us. How many moms would like to see that take place today? So, some of your men are looking at me like, you hate me right now. Because now you're, you're held to it. You got to do it, right? If you don't do it, you're a bad man. Like, so, so there you go. So there's that. But the refrigerator is, is an area of our life that can get cluttered. And, and, you know, we've talked about all these different areas but I don't know that there's an area in our home that we interact with as much as the refrigerator. Like we are in and out of this thing on a daily basis. And not only are we in and out of it, but like if you're married, your spouse is in and out of it. Your kids are in and out of it. And, there's, and so it has a tendency to get cluttered. It gets, it gets filled up with all this different stuff and that stuff can clutter up our life. And so the team helped me kind of fill this one up here. Hopefully you guys can kind of see what's going on in there. But, but there's all this stuff in our refrigerator. We got food, we got drinks, we got some ice cream up here, little cookie two-step. Anybody like cookie two-step this morning? Jake, you like cookie two-step? Okay, there you go, bub. Now you're stuck holding a gallon of ice cream to the church. That'll be fun, but there you go. Uh, but we, we get cluttered up, don't we? Cluttered up with food, drinks, all this stuff gets cluttered into the fridge. Cluttered up with like stuff like this. Let's see, here, here this is good. Back here, we got some, got some leftovers, and you got the little stain there. Isn't that a good one? Got the leftovers. How many of you, like you do this, you go, get, you go eat somewhere and you have some leftovers. And if you're anything like us, what we do is we take this home and we put it in our fridge for a week and then we throw it away. We just give it a place to live for a week. I don't know why. I would eat it most of the time, but Sarah does not eat food after about three days. Like, I don't know if, I don't know why. I don't know if it's like Jesus rose from the tomb after three days. So if the food hasn't been resurrected by then, it's dead to her. And so we, I'll eat this stuff after like a month. I don't care. But Sarah won't do that. But we get, we get food. We get leftovers. We get like condiments. Like, okay, let's just try to, we get con- like how many of you have ever like grabbed a condiment out of your refrigerator and you look at the expiration date and it expired like years ago. 
Not like a, just a few months. Like, like we had this mayo in our fridge that we got one time for we were grilling these special burgers and got this special mayo. We used it one time, and then we just housed it in our refrigerator for like three years. And uh, I think if you would have put like a, like a match to it, it would have been a bomb. Like at that, but if it was poison, it would kill you. But, but nevertheless, we keep it in our fridge. And our fridge houses all sorts of stuff. It houses food, drinks. It houses smells. How many of you ever experienced a smell from the fridge? Like you go, maybe it's at the work fridge. Maybe it's at your home fridge. But you go in there, somebody had left like an egg salad sandwich in there for a little too long. And you open up the fridge and, you, and it hits you. And it ain't good. And it's beyond a smell at this point. Now it's become an experience. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And here's what's funny. I, I, don't, I don't do this, but some people do. Like they get those smells and it's an experience. So what do they want to do? They want to share the experience with you. Like they'll come up to you, man, this smells terrible. Check it out. <laughs> no, like I'm good. Like so this is an area of my life that I will trust you on. You tell me it smells bad. I trust you. You've got my full faith. I don't need to smell it. How many moms would say today, husband, keep your smells to yourself? Amen? But it can get smelly. It can get dirty. It can get messy. Like I remember one time we opened up the fridge and my son Gus had a, had a little cup of grape juice and apparently he spilled it in the refrigerator, knocked it over, and his solution to this problem was shut the door and move on. And so the juice just ran into all of our refrigerator and got into the nooks and crannies, crannies, you guys like crannies, you guys got some crannies, got in those crannies, and then it was in there long enough that it had a time to set up to get sticky, and and when we opened up the fridge later, it was like, oh my gosh, and we had to completely like overhaul our refrigerator, take everything out, pull stuff apart, get into all those nooks and crannies and clean all this stuff up. How many of you know the refrigerator can get cluttered? Yeah. And that's why we're going to clean it today, right guys? No amen on that. All right. <laughs> okay, so here's the point, all right? So we're talking about these different areas in our home that get cluttered. We talked about the junk drawer. You guys remember that a couple weeks ago? The junk drawer kind of represents the junk of our life, the sins of our life, the, the bad things that have happened to us. And how sometimes we identify ourselves from that and how God hasn't called us to do that. He's called us to identify ourselves as being in Christ and we're made new through Jesus Christ. We have to see ourselves through that identity. We, we talked last week about the closet, that the closet kind of represents kind of the stress of our life. That sometimes we get so busy, we get our life so, so full of activity, so full of stuff that there's no margin. And because there's no margin, it feels like chaotic and it gets stressful. And what we need to do is submit our closet to God, allow Him to, to help us to determine what goes in, what comes out. Say, I want to talk to you about the refrigerator and how this refrigerator kind of represents a part of our life. Now, here's, here's the thing about a refrigerator. If you think about it, the refrigerator kind of is a representation of this, this area of our life where people have access to it. You know, your refrigerator, people have access to your refrigerator. Like your family, your spouse, the people that you're close to, the people that you love, they have access to your refrigerator. And what, it, what they're able to do is they're able to draw stuff out of it. And the stuff that they're able to draw out has the ability to, to sustain them, doesn't it? So, so here's the thing. A refrigerator kind of represents the sustenance of our life. The sustenance of our life. In other words, it represents the stuff that supports life. Here's the definition of sustenance. It's, it's the ability to provide people with what they need to make them strong and healthy. And that's what a refrigerator really does. You, you think about a refrigerator, what it does is it sustains the things that sustain us. 
It sustains the things that sustain us. And, and so, so we put food in it, we put drinks in it, and those things are sustained by the refrigerator so that they can bring sustenance to our life and they can provide us with health and help us to grow and help us to produce and develop the way that we're supposed to, right? Now, now here's how your life is like a refrigerator. You, like a refrigerator, have the ability to carry things and, and sustain things that not only sustain you and bring growth and health and life to you, but that can sustain other people and bring growth and health and life to them. That's within you. That ability is, is, is there. But also understand this, you also have the ability, like a refrigerator, to carry nothing and, and to provide people with nothing that's helping them or developing them or helping produce life in them, or you also, like a refrigerator, have the ability to carry poison, to carry stuff that makes people sick and does damage to people's life. And so the the point is this, is really when it comes to refrigerator, the key is what's on the inside. Because it's what's on the inside that counts, isn't it? Like let's say today that you went to a, a store, an appliance store, Lowe's, Home Depot, wherever it is, and you go to the section that has all the appliances, and you go to the refrigerators, and you start looking at them. You're going to find there's a bunch of different refrigerators, all different sizes, shapes. And if you go to like the high-end part, the high-end section, you, there's some incredible refrigerators today. I mean, these huge stainless steel refrigerators that are, you know, they, they don't, your fingerprints don't stick to these things, and, and, and they have like computers in them now. Like, you can listen to music through your refrigerator and watch movies through your refrigerator. And you can talk to your refrigerator and, and organize your calendar and your to-do list. I, I saw this week there's a refrigerator, and you, you can say, refriger- like, refrigerator, what's inside? And it'll show you what's inside. I was just like, open the door, right? <laughs> like, is there, are we that lazy? I don't know, but anyways, but you can, you can actually say, refrigerator, we need more limes or we need more carrots. It keeps inventory of what's inside of it. It helps you order stuff and tells you when stuff expires. Like, these refrigerators are nuts. And you can scan, like, the artwork your kids do, that kind of stuff. Instead of having to put it up with magnets, it can be on the screen, beautifully displayed on the screen. I mean, these things are amazing. And then the inside of them, like, the, the way they carry the stuff is incredible. There's all these different compartments and some have moisture and some don't and some, you know, it's just amazing what refrigerators do. Now, here's the thing. You go buy the nicest refrigerator on the market and you take it home and you put it in your house, plug it in, get it all set up. But, but if you don't have anything in it, like what's the point? Or, or if what's inside of it is poison or is going to make people sick, then again, like what's the point? It's what's on the inside that counts, isn't it? In 1 Samuel 16, there's a story about a guy named Saul. Saul was the king of Israel. He was the first king of the Hebrew Jewish people. And, and, and on the outside, he was kind of a picture of this. Like on the outside, he was handsome. He was tall. He was the people's champion kind of guy. Like everybody wanted this guy. But, but on the inside, he was a mess. And because he was a mess, he was poisoning the, his reign as a king was just bringing poison out. It was just not doing anybody any good. And so, so God saw that and, and rejects him and decides to pull him out of his role. And, and so in the process of doing this, God, through a prophet, makes a statement. He says this in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. He says, The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. 
Man looks at the outward appearance. What's on the outside? That's, that's what we find ourselves getting caught up in. But look at this. But the Lord looks at the heart. God says what matters most is what's on the inside. What, what's going on inside. And so my question for you this morning, I think our, our question for the day today is this, is what's on the inside? And is what's on the inside, does it have the ability to sustain you and produce growth and health and life in you? And beyond that, does it have the ability, like a refrigerator, to sustain sustain the people you love and care about and bring growth and health and life to them? Can what's inside of you sustain life? You may look really great on the outside, but it's what's on the inside that counts. So so today I want to kind of help you out with this. I want to talk about kind of two big main key areas that, that I see that we need to be focused on if we want to be the kind of people who, are, who are, have life being produced in us and through us to the world around us. Okay, so here's the first thing. If you're going to compare our life to the fridge and we're going to kind of do this, number one is this, you've got to fill the fridge. You've got to fill the fridge. If I want to display life-giving sustenance in my life, I have to fill myself with life-giving sustenance, Right? just like a refrigerator. If I want to be able to draw food out of my refrigerator, things out of my refrigerator that bring value and health and life to me, I got to fill it up with that kind of stuff, don't I? Don't I? You know, I think we all kind of get this idea that like what you put into something is important. Like if you value something, you, you value what you put into it. Like you, you, you know, if you're, if you're training for the Olympics or you're training for a marathon, you don't start your training process by going on an all Twinkie and chocolate shake diet. Like that's, you know that that's not going to be good. That's not going to help you. What, what you put in is going to affect the performance and the production of something. So, so in the same way, like with my refrigerator, when, when me and Sarah go get groceries, we're, we're considering that. Like what's going to be a value to our family? We want to fill our refrigerator up with vegetables and fruit and water, life-giving sustenance because we know our children and our family and we are going to be eating and drinking and partaking of this stuff. So we want to put the right stuff in because that's what we're going to draw from. And that's what we need to do in our spiritual life too. See, it's not just true for the natural. It's even more true for the spiritual side of things. What are you filling yourself up with spiritually? There's two key areas that you need to fill yourself up with in, in the spiritual realm, and here's the first one. You need to fill up your mind with the Word of God. Fill your mind with God's Word. Why? Because we're talking about drawing life out. Well, the Word of God is life, right? Proverbs 3 verse 1 says this. It says, the, word, the words of God giveth life. Everybody say life. life. Proverbs 4.22 says this. Talking about the Word of God, it says, for they, that's talking about God's words, are life. Everybody say life. life. They're life to those who find them. Notice that, that, that terminology there, who find them, and health to one's whole body. Well, that's pretty amazing. Like the word of God has the ability to produce life in every area of your life. But, but, but here's the thing. In order for it to do that, it says it's got to be found. Here, here's what that tells me. The word doesn't find you. You've got to find the word. You've got to get into the Bible you got to open it up. you got to read it for yourself. you got to study it. you got to, what, what the Bible calls meditate on Scripture, which means you just, you go over it. You go over verses and you memorize verses and you, you, you allow those to get deep down inside of you. Why? Because it's life. God's Word produces life because God's Word is life. Look at this, uh, Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is, everybody say this with me, 
living. Say it again, living. It's living. Listen, the Bible is not just an ordinary book. It's not just a book of instruction. It's not just a book of information. It's a living book. It's not just a book we read. It's a book that reads us as well. It's a living book thing. It's full of the life of God. It says it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. In other words, here's what this is saying. God's word will get all up in you and it'll affect you in all these different areas of your life. Because see, here's the thing about God's word. It's not just full of information. It's not just full of instruction. It's also full of the very life of God. And so as you read it and study it and get it inside of you, not only are you getting the information and the instruction, you're getting the life of God with it that empowers you to fulfill it. That's good stuff right there, guys. And so that's why we gotta, be, we gotta stay in it. We gotta fill ourselves up with God's word because it will empower you to fulfill the word of God. Now, I, I get that maybe some of you are here today, maybe you're new to the things of God, or maybe you're just one of those people that you've just never been able to kind of get into that rhythm when it comes to the word of God, like you try to read the Bible and you feel like you just don't get anything out of it. And, 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 and so I, listen, if that's you, I, I hear that all the time. So you're not, you know, a bad person. You're not a dumb person. But I, I believe part of your issue is you just have a lack of knowledge in how to approach the word. And since you have a lack of knowledge in how to approach the word, you miss out on the knowledge that comes from the word. So, so as I was thinking about this this week, I kind of thought of it like this. Like if I was to go to Iran and I was to meet a guy there, and I was to bring him back with me to America this fall, and I was to sit him down on the couch with me, and, and we decide to watch an OU football game, like, we're going to have completely different experiences. Because I have an understanding of what's going on here that he doesn't have. He has no concept of football. He has no concept of college football. He has no concept of Oklahoma University, the best university in the world. He has no, he has no, <laughs> he has no concept of these things. And so because of that... There's two people that are sitting on the same couch and one's getting something and the other one isn't. And, and I think for maybe some of you, that's you. You just, I want to simplify this, right? Because that's what we're talking about. So how do we simplify this? Okay, let me give you some kind of keys to getting into the word. First of all, I say this, you got to have a plan. When you're studying scripture, you need to have some kind of a plan. Don't just read, up, read the Bible, open it up and start going for it because you may find yourself in a chapter that makes no sense to you. I was reading in Leviticus recently, and it was talking about bodily secretions. Like, you go there, you're going to be going, what is this? <laughs> Wild stuff. Now, it makes sense if you know the overall picture of what God was saying and doing at that point. But if you're just new to this, you're going to be like, okay, whatever. But what's your plan? And, and one of the things I tell people, especially people who are new to the things of God, and I'll say this to you too, is, is part of your plan needs to be, what are the needs of your life? You've got to feed the need. Like if you were to go to yourself right now and say, okay, what's the biggest need I have right now? Maybe right now you're dealing with sickness and some kind of disease or some kind of pain within your body. Well, then what does the word of God have to say about that? I, I would encourage you to study that. Study what, what the Bible says about healing. Study this, the stories of Jesus where he healed people. Begin to study and think about and read those verses. And what, you'll, what will happen is you'll get a revelation of what God says on healing. And that revelation will help you to have faith to receive the healing that God wants you to have. Maybe you're struggling with unforgiveness. You're struggling with anger. You're str- What's the need of your life? You've got to feed the need. Have a plan. Go into this with a, with a plan. Uh, here's the second thing is, is as you do this is consult the author. Here's what I mean by that. 
as we approach the Word of God, don't approach it from an information ship. Approach it from a relationship. A relationship. Now, now going back to what I just said, like having a plan. In, in, in my relationship with my wife, Sarah, we go on dates together. And when we go on dates, we have a plan. We don't just get in the car and just take off and just hope for the best. If we do that, it ain't going to be the best. But if we have a plan, what happens is within the plan, things begin to happen that maybe we're not a part of the plan, but that take place in relationship with the plan. You guys following me? And when you're sitting down to read the word, you're sitting down to have a relationship with God. It's God's word. It's a living book. It's not just studying material. It's being with God through his word. And so you approach it from a relational standpoint. God, what do you want to show me today? What do, you, what do you have for me? In fact, one of the great metaphors in Scripture for study of the Word is that the Word of God is, is, is related to a mirror. You know, what does a mirror do? It reflects, doesn't it? You, I got up this morning and I looked in the mirror and I look at myself and I make adjustments because adjustments need to be made. Hair needs to be, you know, sleep spots need to be tamed and all this different stuff needs to be taken care of. I'm able to look and get a reflection reflection, and through that reflection, I can make the adjustments needed. That's what the word of God wants to be in your life. You can look through the mirror of scripture and say, God, what needs to be adjusted? What do I need to change? What's my sleep spot that I need to deal with right now? What's that area that maybe is a little out of control that I need to, that I need to adjust? And I'd also encourage you in, in this as you study scripture is don't try to get it all in one shot. Because let me just tell you, you ain't gonna. You're gonna spend the rest of eternity discovering the revelation of the word of God. I, I've been studying the, the life of David over the past couple weeks. And, and it's kind of funny because it's one of those stories that I even think sometimes like, man, I've studied that so many times. I mean, I've read, I've preached on the story of David and Goliath and David and Bathsheba, and I've studied this over and over again. But as I'm reading it, it's amazing. As many times as I've read it, my entire life from, from childhood to now, I, I'll read it and I still get fresh revelation every time. And I'm telling you, there's, there's always something new there. There's fresh revelation. So, so here's the point is, is not try to get it all. It's what's God saying to me right now? What if your approach to the word of God was this? God, give me one word today. Think about your life a year from now. If in a year from now, you got 365 words from God. I bet your life would look completely different. You don't, you don't have to get it all figured out. But what's God saying to you right now? It's a relationship. Treat it like a relationship. Well, I, I don't try to, when I'm in a relationship with anybody, I'm not trying to completely figure them out and get everything in one shot. I'm, I'm getting revelation as I spend time with them. And that's what happens through the word. Here's the third thing, is you got to be on the hunt when you dig into the word. Remember what I said earlier? It's life to those who find it. In other words, you got to find it. you gotta, you got to hunt for it. The Bible says this in Hebrews 5, chapter 13, or Chapter 5, verse 13 says, No one who lives on milk alone can know the ins and outs of what it means to be righteous and pursue justice. That's because he's only a baby. But strong meat. Everybody say meat. Meat. Strong meat. I love strong meat. Like, that sounds good. Strong meat is for those who have come of age. For those who have learned through through practice to distinguish good from evil. Okay, so let's go back to our analogy here. The refrigerator helps us sustain stuff. So we're talking about the sustenance of our life, the stuff that helps us, helps us be sustained. Now, at what point in your life was milk the main sustenance of your life? When did that happen? When you were a baby, right? But, but part of maturity is we move from milk to meat. 
you, and, and it doesn't happen overnight, but we start moving into solid foods. And then eventually you get to the point when you can sit down to a steak dinner and you can get out a knife and fork and you can cut it up and you can eat that food. And vegetarians are looking at me like I'm crazy right now, but whatever. How many of you are grateful for meat? Okay, me too. Me too. Or a meat substitute, whatever that may be for you, all right? <laughs> but, but here's the deal, okay? Going back to, to our analogy, when you're a baby, how do you receive milk? Somebody brings it to you, right? But especially in Bible times, if you were going to have meat, there was a process to that. You, you had to go outside and you had to kill an animal. And you had to carve that thing up and you had to, you had to get the meat from it. Or, or you had to go hunt. You had to go hunt some meat down. And so here, here's where I'm going with this. Some of you are, are just trusting that, that I'm just going to feed you every week. And that's kind of where you live. You're just counting on someone to bring you your meal every week. Listen, uh, that's part of my role. My job is to help lead you and feed you. But, but maturity is where I'm not the only source of, of spiritual food that you're receiving. Turn the person beside you and say, we ain't no babies. Turn the other person and say, wah. You got to quit being a baby. We got to grow up. We got to mature. And part of maturity says, I'm going to go on the hunt. I'm going to get in the word. I know that there's meat in there. I know that there's stuff in there that's for me that's going to bring strength and life to me. And so I'm going to dig into this and I'm going to carve it up and I'm going to get it inside of me because I know it's life to those who find it and it's health to their flesh for me and for everyone I love. I'm going to fill up my mind with God's word. Here's the second thing you got to do. If you're filling the fridge, you fill your mind with the word of God. Here's the second thing. You fill your mouth with the word of God. You got to fill your mouth with God's word. Look at this. Uh, Proverbs 18 verse 21 says this, death and life. Everybody say life. life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. There it is again, talking about eating and fruit, eating the product of this. Okay, so what is this talking about here? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Well, when it's talking about the tongue here, it's not talking about your physical tongue. It's talking about what the tongue produces. And what the tongue produces is words. And when it says it's under the power of the tongue, it means it's under the control of, is really a better translation. So here's what this verse tells us. Death and life are under the control of the words that you speak. So just like your refrigerator is, is feeding you and sustaining you, and the produce of your refrigerator is, is filling your stomach in the same way, listen, the produce of your mouth is feeding you and filling up your life, and, and not just you, it's filling up your family, your wife, your children, the words that you say. Proverbs 18, before it, it says death and life are in the power of the tongue, in verse 20, it says this, a man's stomach, stomach means your, your inner being. It means the inside of you. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. So about your words. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Okay, so, so here's the point. The quality of the words of your mouth determines the quality of your life and the life of people around you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So, so here's the question. We said earlier, life is God's word, right? So, so my question for you is, your words, are they agreeing with God's word, which is life, or are they not? And if they're not, if they're not life, then what are they? If they're not life, then what are they? You guys track with me? This ain't my opinion. This is the word of God. This is what God's word says. 
Is what's coming out of your mouth, is it producing health and life and fruit in your life, in your marriage, in your kids? Your family's eating from the words of your mouth. The people around you are eating from the words of your mouth. Is, are your words lining up with the word of God? And listen, we know this. If we're really being honest, we know this. Some of you have had horrible things spoken over you. Maybe when you were a kid, people that you loved and cared about or that were supposed to love and care about you, they said terrible things about you. Said they wished you had never been born and that you were a loser and you'd never amount to anything. And You've spent a large majority of your life just trying to get over some of those death words that were spoken over you. And I'm sorry, if that's you today, man, I'm so, I'm so sorry. And, and you need to go back and listen to the first week of the series because what they said over you, listen, it was a lie. But, but we've also had those experiences in our life where someone spoke life over us. I know I have, and I hope you have, where somebody spoke God's word over me. Somebody encouraged me with the word of God in a season where I needed it. And, and it just, it brought life into me. It refreshed me. I knew it was a word from the Lord and it just rejuvenated me and helped me. Listen, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who find it will eat its fruit. It's life to those who find it. Uh, my question, are you using your words to build life, to build your life and to build life around you? We gotta fill the fridge. We gotta fill it up with life. Fill our minds with life. Stock up. Just like you go to the grocery store and you stock up on life-giving food for your family, you need to stock up on life-giving, the life-giving word of God. Get in the word. Speak the word. God, I thank you that I'm the head and not the tail. That's why we make you say that every week, you know. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out. Everything I set my hands to will prosper. I thank you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. If God is for me, then who can stand against me? You got to learn what the word of God says. You got to speak it over yourself because it's life. You got to do this. So we fill, we fill the fridge. And here's the second thing you got to do. Now, here's the thing about a fridge. One of the major key components to a refrigerator is this little thing right back here. The plug. In order for this refrigerator to do what it's supposed to do, it has to be plugged in, doesn't it? In order for the refrigerator, remember we said earlier, a refrigerator is a box that sustains the things that sustain us. But in order for this refrigerator to sustain the things that sustain us, it has to be plugged in to a power source. And what's true for the refrigerator is true for you. If you're going to be the person who's producing the fruit and sustaining the fruit of God in your life, you got to stay plugged in. I'm going to plug this back in because I heard in first service I didn't plug it back in. There was a bunch of people that were just totally bothered by that. So, okay, it's plugged back in now. But you you got to stay plugged in. If you're going to produce the, the fruit and sustain it, you've got to stay plugged in. The Bible says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit, that's talking about the product or the produce of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit. I love that it's, I love that God uses the illustration of fruit here. It goes perfectly with my illustration. It's fruit, right? What does fruit do? It produces life in people. The fruit of the Spirit. Now, now that, that's the kind of fruit that you should be producing, that should be coming out of your life. And that's the kind of fruit that you can produce. But a lot of you are struggling with that. And, and you find yourself, it's hard. I mean, listen, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, like all that stuff, that's all awesome. But that ain't the fruit of Josh. 
That's not the fruit I produce on my own. And that's why the verse starts by saying it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit of God that produces that. So your, your job is not to produce the fruit. Your job is to allow God to produce the fruit through you. To, to, get, to stay plugged into God so he can produce that kind of fruit in your life. You got to stay plugged in and connected to God. You got to stay plugged into God through his word. You got to stay plugged into God through, through worship and through, through prayer. You got to stay plugged into God by staying plugged into the church, the body of Christ, the family of God. You got to stay, stay plugged in. I bet there's not a person in this room that on Sunday morning you wake up and, and about, you know, 1030 you go in and you plug in your refrigerator and you leave it plugged in for about two hours and then you unplug it and it doesn't get plugged in for the rest of the week, right? We don't do that, do we? Why? Because we understand that if that's what I did, my refrigerator can't sustain the things that it's supposed to sustain. Stuff inside of it's going to get gross and rotten and ugly and not going to, it ain't going to work. It's not how it works. And yet, listen, church. For some of you, that's what you do. The only time you plug in to, to the Lord is, is for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. Some of you don't even do that every week. And, and then stuff is coming out of you that's rotten, that you don't like. That you, sometimes you say things and you think things and you're like, where did that come from? And it's because you're not plugged into the source. You can't produce the fruit because you're not plugged into the source that helps you to sustain it. You got to stay plugged in. You've got to stay connected to God. God is the key to this. And God has given us things like his word. He's given us things like worship. Listen, this stuff that we do here on Sunday, this is not the only time you should be doing this. You need to be worshiping on a daily basis. You need to be reading the Bible on a daily basis. You need to be praying and inviting God into your life on a daily basis. God's given us these things so we can connect with him, so we can stay plugged into him. And one of the great things God has given you, the greatest, one of the greatest tools, and not even a tool, but the person of the Holy Spirit that God has given us to help us with this. God's given you a helper called the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this about him. He said, it's better that I go away so that the helper, the Holy Spirit, can come. Now think about that. This is before Jesus goes to the cross. He's letting his disciples know what's kind of giving them a hint and what's going to happen, that he's going to be leaving. He's not going to be here in the flesh anymore. But he says it's better that he goes. Why? Because when Jesus was here in the flesh, he could only be in one place at one time. Now, because of the Holy Spirit, all of us can have the helper with us, leading us, guiding us, directing us, guiding us into truth, helping us in every area of our life, all the time, every day, 24 hours a day. That's why it's better. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in your life is he comes to help you by providing you with the power you need. Acts 1.8 says that you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Holy Spirit wants to provide you with the power that you need to overcome sin. Listen, some of you are struggling with sin. You're struggling with temptation. You're struggling with stuff. And, and your problem is you're trying to, to, to do it in your own strength. You're trying to overcome this stuff on your own. You need the helper of the Holy Spirit. He wants to help you overcome sin. He wants to help you be the witness God's called you to be. He wants to help you to be the salt and the light that you're called to be in this world. You need the helper of the Holy Spirit. So, so, so what, what am I talking about here? How do, how do we do this? Well, the Bible says this in uh, Ephesians 5.18. It says you need to be filled with the Spirit. So, so here's the idea. When you receive Jesus Christ, there's a, you receive the Holy Spirit in part, but there is a third baptism in the Holy Spirit that you can receive where you become filled with the Spirit, fully saturated in the Holy Spirit. 
And, and it says that you need to, look, it says be filled with the Spirit. And, and what that means is you need to be being filled with the Spirit. In other words, here's what that means. You need to plug in and keep plugging into the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time thing. Like salvation, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you ask Jesus into your heart, that's a one-time thing. You invite him in and surrender your life to him. That's, you just got to do that one time. You get water baptized, that's something you just only have to do one time. But this infilling of the Holy Spirit is something that you need to do on a daily basis. Part of, part of my Bible time every, t- every day is I, I, I pray, I read my Bible, I worship, I do all those things. And there's a moment when I say, Lord, Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill me afresh and anew today. I, I need your spirit in my life. I need you to guide me and help me and lead me. I need your power to fulfill this assignment you've placed on my life. I can't do this without you. I recognize I don't have it all in me. I'm leaning into you. I'm counting on you to help me to sustain and carry the fruit that you've called me to carry into my marriage, for my children, for this church. You've got to call upon the name of the Lord. You've got to invite the Holy Spirit into your life. A refrigerator can't be a refrigerator if it's not plugged in. You've got to be plugged in. You got to plug into God's word. You can't carry the fruit of the spirit if you're not plugged in. You can't carry the life of God if you're not plugged in. You got to plug into God. You got to plug into his word and you need to plug in to the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here today and you're kind of going, I don't really understand what you're talking about with this Holy Spirit stuff. This is new to me. I don't really get it. I've seen stuff about this and it was a little freaky if I'm being totally real with you. A little weird. Well, what I'm talking about is not weird. And it's the enemy that wants to make you think it's weird. He's the one that wants to highlight the weird stuff for you because he wants to keep you from the helper that Jesus said, don't go do anything until you receive the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. But the Holy Spirit's here to help you and to empower you. And, and here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. Here, here's how you receive the Holy Spirit. Two things you gotta do. Number one is you gotta ask for it. You gotta ask. The Bible says this in, in Luke 11, verse 13. It says, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit, look at this next part, to those who ask him. My question for you is, have you ever asked for the Holy Spirit? When you received salvation, did you ask for the infilling of the Holy Spirit? If not, then it's real simple. You just ask God. You ask Jesus, actually, because he's the one that baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. You ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And and you're not afraid that he's going to do something weird because it's Jesus. And Jesus is not a weirdo. Listen, people be weird sometimes, but Jesus ain't weird. And we ain't weird. If, you're new, if you've been coming to New Song, this is what we believe. And you've never seen anything crazy weird here. But what you're seeing here in the life of people, the change that's taking place in people's life has a lot to do with this. The people that are overcoming their sins and overcoming addictions and overcoming their problems. One of the major keys to this answer for them is they're empowered by the helper, the Holy Spirit guiding them and leading them. So you just ask and you trust Jesus. He's going to give you something good. And then here's the second thing. You believe. The same way you receive salvation, the same way you receive healing, it's by grace, it's available by grace through faith is how you receive the Holy Spirit. You believe that Jesus has baptized you in the Holy Spirit and, and, and your evidence that Jesus has filled you with the Holy Spirit is this, your faith. We're not looking for some outward evidence that proves that you got filled with the Holy Spirit. Your faith is what proves that you got filled with the Holy Spirit. Are there evidences? Are there things that we see in our life? Is there gifts that come with the Holy Spirit that can be on display in your life? Absolutely they are. And they're available to anyone who receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they're not the evidence that you're filled. The evidence that you're filled is your faith. And so you ask for the Holy Spirit and you believe that Jesus fills you and you receive this power. 
But, but more than anything, you receive this person. And he is the person of power. And the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead comes to live inside you. The greatest act in human history, the resurrection of Jesus from death, death being defeated, can come abide within you and help you and lead you. Wow. So, if you're here today and you're interested in that, you say, I think I'd like that. I want to help you plug into the Holy Spirit today. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're here today and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit before and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit today, or maybe you're here today and you heard me talking about being filled afresh and anew, and maybe there's something inside of you that goes, okay, I want a fresh infilling. I want to recommit myself to staying plugged into the Holy Spirit today. Uh, if that's you, I want you to be bold, loud, and proud, and I want you to stand up on your feet right now. Everybody stand If that's you, you want the Holy Spirit in a deeper way, stand up on your feet. I'm expecting a lot of people standing up. Yes. Awesome. I'm so proud of you. I am so proud of you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hands out like this. The reason we do this is because this is kind of an outward expression of the position of our heart. When I was a kid, maybe some of you guys can relate to me. I'd go outside with my dad and we'd be hauling in firewood. And I'd stand by the wood and he'd say, put your hands out. And I'd put my hands out and he would fill up my hands with wood. And I'd carry it inside. Okay, what we're saying is, God, I want you to fill up my, my life. But it's not with a burden. It's with something that's going to bring strength to you. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer. And you're going to repeat after me. And we're, we're praying to Jesus. And we're inviting Jesus to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Really simple. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus. I, ask you I ask you to baptize me to baptize in the Holy Spirit. I receive it. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.